welcome to NL Full Time. And it's me who's bringing the average age up this week. Um, we've got uh, Joe Pope with us from Off The Line Blog. Didn't think you are going to make it this week, Joe, did you? But uh, in the end, uh, your travel plans went well. How did your bowling go? Yeah, um, my bowling did better than my football team this weekend. Uh, we won. Uh, my football team didn't. But uh, great to be back on uh, discussing the National League. Exactly. And at least two of the three of us on today saw our teams win on the weekend. So that's at least two cheerful and one grumpy. But uh, coming, coming to the other cheerful and the reason the average age is, is, is coming down this week. Uh, he joined me in commentary for BBC Surrey a couple of weeks ago up at the Shea. And he's joining us this afternoon uh, from the Luke Walsh football podcast. Luke Walsh. Hiya, Luke. Hey, up, thank you once again for having me on. Yeah, I am very happy after Halifax got their third win in a row yesterday. So, yeah, in a very positive mood myself. Absolutely. And that, of course, came on the back of two defeats. So we'll we'll have a chat with you about the uh, the turnaround in form uh, for Halifax, who've very much kept themselves in the, the playoff hunt. Um, I think it's only fair and appropriate to start uh, this week with, with uh, the, the, the key managerial change that's happened. In the last 24 hours, um, I'm kind of surprised, not surprised. Uh, come to you guys for your thoughts on on Richard Hill departing uh, Eastleigh. Joe, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, perhaps a little bit surprised the fact that he has gone only because from an outsider's perspective, it would look like he's the person that makes the footballing decisions at Eastleigh. Um, and it would seem odd for him to sack himself, but... I think this is one where, given the investment that Eastleigh have had and, you know, the team that they've put together and the form that they're on, I think there may have been a fractured, you know, relationships between Richard Hill and, and Stuart Donald. Um, and obviously, they've, the latter has decided that, that they need to make a change. I think it's the right one. Um, you know, there was a little upturn in fortunes to begin with under Richard Hill, but recent weeks has been really disappointing, particularly defensively, you know, continue to ship goals. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's some talented players there and it's a real, uh, they'll no doubt have lots of people interested in that job. Um, and there's already been a couple of names touted for that. It's interesting to see who they get. I will actually, funnily enough, be watching Eastleigh in two weeks' time. Um, I'll be there for when Eastleigh hosts Solihull Moors. So hopefully their new manager will be in place by then. Yeah, Luke, coming to you. I mean, Eastleigh with a goal difference of minus 14 now. Only three clubs in the division have got worse than that. Um, and uh, I think it's fair to say their playoff hopes have now expired. And they're looking over their shoulders, aren't they? Aren't they? In, 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 we'll talk about it in more detail in a bit, but a lot of teams still not safe yet this year in the National League, and that includes Eastleigh, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. The form that they're on at the moment, they haven't won in the, in the last nine. Um, and, you know, we're looking at size towards the bottom. A lot of them are, of course, improving. And, and yet, you have to say, size like Eastleigh, of course, have always had that ambition of getting into the playoffs this season. And for the first half of the season, they look like a very, very good candidate to, to get into the playoffs. But the run of form that they're on at the moment, I don't think is acceptable for the amount of money that they've put in, into that club. Of course, knocked out the FA Cup. They missed a massive opportunity, I felt, there against Newport because if they did defeat them, they would have had Manchester United at home. Um, but you look at the actual squad, I think that squad at the start of the season, I was expecting it to be 
in and around the playoffs with the money that they've spent and some of the players there, Paul McCallum, uh, Enzo Bolzwein, a, a winger as well. It's full of quality, that squad. And, and at the moment, I believe they are underperforming. And I think there's always been questions, hasn't there, about Hill and him, him not being good enough and to the standards of, of what Eastleigh's expectations are. And I think it is right to make a change now. I would have probably have made it soon if, if I was in charge. Yeah, I, I'm just going to say that one of the things I do when I'm I'm travelling back on a Saturday or a Tuesday night is I do scroll through Twitter and watch as many of the manager post matches as I can. And I have to say, you know, I don't know the chap well. I don't think I've ever interviewed him either. But the way he's come across after the games, I've seen it as surly, negative. I, I, as a football player, I don't think I'd have been too inspired by it. Um, He's calling out a lot of the things that are not good. But, um, yeah, very, very disappointing. And I agree. On paper, Eastleigh should have probably one of the four top attacking uh, trios in their team in Quigley, McCallum and Maguire. Maguire's shown brilliance um, throughout the season on occasions and McCallum's the top scorer. Um, Quigley probably has played better than his goals tally would you know would suggest but their problems clearly uh, as you say Luke are at the other end um a fabulous saturday of football in the national league there were 40 goals scored in total i watched the 39th and 40th goals go in we'll talk about that later in what is not an Aldershot town free podcast this weekend sorry luke is producing um but uh, he enjoyed that little uh, mention last week. Um, starting then right at the top and uh, in one of the seven-goal thrillers. I think there was a few six- and seven-goal thrillers. But we've got to look at the top two who came together at Hayes Lane. Um, and uh, after a roller coaster of a match, ultimately it was a Michael Cheek hat-trick that, uh, that got the job done for Bromley, uh, the latter of which was, um, you know, very late on. Um, I, I don't think he got the winner, though. I think Woods got the winner, didn't he? But uh, uh, a terrific win for Bromley. I mean, it doesn't keep the title race alive. There's 20 points in it. It's done, doesn't it? Um, I think what it does is it probably slows down the finish line a little bit for Chesterfield. Uh, uh, Joe, would you agree? Yeah. Um, I think I don't think Paul Cook will be too disappointed um you know obviously they they lost the game but i think you get to a point when you're so far out in front like chesterfield are the fact that they were you know got themselves back in front 3-2 perhaps a little bit um nonchalant and they probably expected them to see it out um but you know it's a little blip and if you're going to lose to anybody in the league you might as well lose to second place you know um a good team in bromley themselves give them their credit so yeah, Chesterfield will get the, the title one um, and they're still probably on for the record as well. So um, nothing to worry about for them. And for, for Bromley, after a couple of really disappointing results of late, um, they'll be really pleased to to win that. Yes, Bromley's first win in six in the National League. And what it does, it keeps them just ahead um, of Barnet in their battle for second and third place which you could argue it doesn't really matter which one you finish in as long as you finish in one of them. The other thing that game throws up, and I'll come to you on this, Luke, is when you look at the leading scorers in the National League, Eastleigh have obviously just had to play three games without Paul McCallum, who was suspended. Um, prior to that, he was 
away and clear, wasn't he, as the top goal scorer in the league, 23 goals. But uh, players who scored for either side in that battle of the top two, Will Grigg, now up to 20, and Michael Cheek, the ever-reliable, up to 17. Um, so uh, with McCallum and also temporarily at least Kabamba out of action, uh, Grigg and Cheek have joined the hunt, haven't they, Hat? How do you see it going uh, in the long run? Do you think perhaps um, Grigg might just be favourite because of the quality around him? Yeah, to be fair, Grigg is gifted with the amount of quality around him. I think any striker in the league playing in this Chesterfield side at the moment would be blessed with, with the players like Dobro, Mandeville around you as well. You know, It's full of quality, that, that side, that Chesterfield side. Um, and I think for Will Grigg, there's a massive opportunity for him to now win that top goal score and, and get the golden boot, especially with Paul McCallum being out. So my bets will be on uh, Will Grigg to, to get the, the golden boot this season. All right, well, Barnett, Kept the pressure up on uh, Bromley in second place with a 4-2 away win at five. They had their difficulties. They were behind in that one, pegged back to two all and then got it done. Four different uh, scorers. O'Donko getting his second in two. Pritchard up to double figures for the season. Hall Johnson instead. And uh, what was particularly impressive about that win and that result is AFC filed are bang top of the form table in the National League. They won again in the week. Um, 5-0 at Aldershot. There were there were some mitigating circumstances uh, about the size of the defeat for Aldershot, but nevertheless, a really eye-catching performance. And uh, on Saturday, of course, Nick Horton weighed in with a couple more goals as well. But um, Barnett seem to be uh, right back on track, don't they, uh, Luke? And... Um, they do look a really good bet to finish in those top three positions. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that Chesterfield, Bromley and Barnet all know their positions and where they'll be finishing in, in where they'll be in and around for the playoffs in Barnet and Bromley. Um, it's a very good win because, of course, prior to that game, I believe Fylde were undefeated in, in 2024 and they certainly have been probably the most on-form team in the division at the moment and for me, when I'm looking at Fylde, I've always thought they've been in a false position towards the bottom. I think they've always had that quality in them to to kind of kind of guide themselves away from from the drop zone. Um, mm. But for Barnet to go there and put four past them, I think is very impressive for Barnet, especially at the moment with them being a few questions about the consistency there. You know, we've often seen in in the second half of the season so far that they'll win a game, they'll then lose a game and, it, and it'll be a game where you'd, you'd probably expect them to win. So for me, for Barnett, that's a massive win and, and they certainly needed it with some of the games coming up, including games against, of course, Aldershot away, which will be a tough game and Chesterfield as well coming up too for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll talk about how many teams we think are in the playoff race in a bit. I'm going to flip back to you now, Joe. Um, and, and the Who's, well, top of the rest of the chasing pack, still, somehow, some way, very effective at getting uh, uh, the results, aren't they? Solihull Moors, difficult-looking game, away to Rochdale, and they got it done. Callum Maycock on the score sheet, and uh, Tavern Campbell, um, what an astute signing that is from, from Wilsdon, who, frankly, have been struggling since he left. Yeah, well, it, it's actually quite a funny one because uh, I, th I believe that uh, Tavon Campbell was actually on loan at Wealdstone from Rochdale and Rochdale sold him to Solihull Moors and then he returns to them and bags the winner. 
Um, and yeah, you know, fair enough to Solihull Moors. You've got to give them credit. You know, I was a little bit doubtful a couple of weeks ago. I said whether or not they might drop out of the playoffs. Um, but, you know, they, they're finding a way to just grind out those wins, aren't they? And, uh, you know, an away win at, at Rochdale's nothing to be sniffed at either because I've been quite impressed with Rochdale at times this season. So, yeah, another good win for Andy Wings men. And, uh, you know, they keep up their, their fight. Yeah, and talking of good away wins, Oldham Athletic had a cracking win as well. York Road, never an easy place to go to. You never know which kind of day you're going to catch Maidenhead United on, but uh, they got it done thanks to uh, a double from Mike Fondock and uh, a goal from Joe Garner, who they recently bought in. And they're third in the form table. They've won four of their last six. And, you know, they probably the team that would most suggest it might have enough clout and enough momentum to close in on Bromley and, and, and Barnet. But um, I bet none of us three would bet against Oldham making the playoffs now, would we? No, I'd expect them to, to be honest. Definitely so. The other two teams in the playoff positions are, um, as a result of Saturday's games, Aldershot and Altrincham. They both started the day in those playoff positions. But by the time of the 5.30 kickoff live on TNT, Aldershot had dropped to ninth. They also had to respond after that heavy defeat at home to Fylde in the week. And they had to do so against high-quality opposition in Altrincham. I was so excited to see this game because of the quality of the front threes in both teams. Um, the third and fourth top scorers in the National League. Uh, but on the day, it was Aldershot who kept a rare clean sheet and got the job done. A couple of quick fire goals just before half-time. Tolladge with his 21st of the season in all competitions. Um, following on a rasping drive from Tyler Frost, who tells me this is his first home goal for Aldershot. He's been there just over a year. He was buzzing to get it and to get it live on TV as well. Um, chaps, I haven't had a chance to watch it back on TV yet. I've just not had time because of work, did did either of you catch the game or the highlights? I caught a bit. I caught a bit of it. Uh, I was at the pub celebrating Halifax winning after the game. So yeah, I was watching it there. Um, and um, from what I saw from Aldershot, it felt like they were very clinical with the players. And it was a game that the re- I wouldn't usually watch a half five game when when I'm busy like that. But it was a game that I thought I've got to watch this. Like you've mentioned with the two front threes that the, that you've got there, the individuals with the likes of Stokes for for Old Aldershot and of course Conclark for Altrincham. There's players there that I was excited to see play, and um, to be fair, it, it did live up to the ex- live live up to what I expected from it. And um, of course, Aldershot managed to get the win, which. I don't know if it's damaging for Halifax or if it's it's a good thing. Um, we'll soon know in, in the near future. So Aldershot seventh in fifty-one points. Gateshead just behind them on fifty, but they do have two games in hand, or one or two games on hand, and all the teams above them. Uh, another impressive away win. Uh, Joe, come to you on this one. It was down at, at Wealdstone. It was another six-goal thriller, but really and truly, the game was done after. Just 17 minutes. Yeah, well, I, I was actually surprised that this game was on, uh, given Woodstone's pitch and the rain that we've had this week. But uh, yeah, I mean, Gateshead showed in that first quarter of an hour what their quality. You know, three goals in the first 17 minutes. Goal for, for Job, the defender that signed halfway through the season, and a goal for Kieran Evans, formerly of Torquay United. I believe that's his first goal in Gateshead colours. 
Um, and obviously Marcus Denanga, you can't keep him off the score sheet. Um, and yeah, I mean, for Wildstone, um, there's there's some problems there. Um, obviously, they lost Stuart Maynard. Um, and if I was to look at any of the teams outside of the drop zone, which I felt could possibly finish in the relegation zone, I'd be putting my money on Wildstone. Um, you know, small squad, um, struggling to keep clean sheets, not really seen much so far from the new man in charge. Obviously, they very lucky to get a point against Barnet in the derby. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I'd be worrying and speaking to a couple of the Wildstone fans. Obviously, Luke has his uh, podcast this evening with Paul and spoke to him yesterday. And he's very worried uh, with Wildstone and fears that they could go down this season. So, uh, yeah, disappointing afternoon for them, but another brilliant afternoon for Gateshead. Yeah, and I think we've got a combination of things going on here. We've got, you know, I think we're all a little bit guilty of looking at the bottom four over the last couple of months and thinking, yeah, four promoted sides, they might come up a bit short. But obviously, you know, two or three of them have burst into form now and got real momentum over a lot of games, um, notably, you know, with new manager bounces. But um, it's those teams that have been just dropping off Maidenhead could drop again, as you say, Eastley, Wealdstone, Dorking, hit and miss. You know, um, all of that South End will come to them in just a moment. But all of those teams, um, you know, are losing uh, momentum and losing form at the wrong time. So we've got a, a huge amount of teams involved in in, in that fight at the bottom. Um, you know, even teams up as high as eleventh place still can't be certain yet that they're you know they're their future's secure in the National League. Um, one team that probably won't have to worry because they've hit the 50-point mark, and he'll be so relieved that I'm finally coming on to them as well, um, is Halifax, FC Halifax Town, Luke. Um, we watched Halifax Aldershot, what, two, two, three weeks ago, whatever it was. Um, you followed that up midweek with another defeat at home to Solihull Moors. And at that point, you must have wondered whether Halifax's playoff dreams were slipping away. I personally thought it was. Um, I thought going into the older shot game, I said, look, if we want to get into the playoffs this season, this has to be a game that we go into and, and we win because, of course, it was a massive game with older shot being around us. Um, of course, then going into Solihull, I was even more desperate saying, look, now we've got to actually get this win. Otherwise, we won't get the playoffs. And, and after that, I came away thinking, look, we're just not good enough to get into the playoffs this season. There's no consistency there. Um and then after that, suddenly something's clicked, going to dark in a way. I wasn't too confident. Um, and it feels like the team's coming together without actually playing that well at the moment. Dork in a way, I didn't particularly think we played that well. I was a little more negative on dark and thinking they were poor. We then go and follow that up with a win against Maidenhead, a win against Working. You know, you look at those three games and... I don't think we've actually played that well in any of them. I just think we've grinded out the results and that's something that you need to do. Now we're right back in the thick of it, of, of potentially being a, a playoff candidate and, and getting into the playoffs this season. And um, I think now we've hit the 50-point mark, we can safely say, which is always the, the first initial expectation, is that we're going to be in the National League next season. And I think now we can more or less guarantee, well, we can guarantee that we're going to be in um, the National League next season. Yeah, on that day that we watched together, Aidan George got the uh, man of the match for Halifax and I felt a bit embarrassed for him, really, because he played all right, but he'd missed two or three chances to score what would have got Halifax a point or three. He's got his first goal since. 
I was so impressed with uh, Max Wright um, down at Dorking. I, I wondered if he grew up playing on pitches like that because he looked so happy on that pitch, didn't he? And uh, he was an absolute bundle of energy scoring a couple of goals that day. Yeah, he's, he's picking up and I think we've needed someone to pick up with scoring goals because, of course, as everyone's aware, Millie Alley's left the club and I think we all felt we were doomed after that, especially then, like we've mentioned, we lost to all the shots. It did feel like the season was slipping out of our fingers. Um, but Max Wright's really stepped up and he's starting to take his chances now and, and actually put the ball in, in the back of the net, which is something we need because, as everyone's aware, Halifax has struggled for the majority of the season without scoring many goals. Adam George, like you've mentioned, he's another player and he's, he's certainly added something to that forward line and the girl he scored against Maidenhead, I've not seen a score a girl like that this season and he offers something different and he is an out-and-out striker and to be fair, now I don't go into games thinking I'm concerned today that we're not going to score where a few weeks ago I was thinking I don't know where the girls are going to come from now. I'm pretty confident that Adam George, Wright will, will get on the score sheet, Cook, players like that are all have all got the capabilities to put the ball in the back of the net. It's so, so tight in the Halifax game. So many goals separated by just the one goal this, this season or maybe, you know, quite a few draws as well. Away from home, you've scored 20 and conceded 20. At home, you've conceded 19 and scored 21. Just a thought from uh, you on Halifax, uh, Joe. Uh, you had a point to make, I think, about Chris Middleton. Yeah, um, I know uh, Luke and I probably share a similar opinion uh, on Chris Millington. Um, obviously, he comes in for a lot of stick from the Halifax fans as to whether he is the right man. Um, just speaking as a obviously a, a neutral, um, so I can't because just to have the insight that uh, that Halifax fans have. But I think Chris Millington has done a fabulous job there. Um, you know, he's got one of the lowest budgets in the league. He consistently has them within touch and distance of the playoffs. Um, you know, they're only one point off the playoffs as it stands. Obviously, I know there's teams with with games in hand. He's won them the FA Trophy. Um, he's got a young team, most of which are in their early 20s. I mean, you talked about it there. You've got uh, against Woken, they had no Jamie Cook. They had no Angelo Capello. They'd sold Millie Alley in, in January to balance the books. So, what I would say is probably their best three players, um, certainly offensively. Um, and he still has them in and around the playoffs. So I, I think Halifax fans need to be a little um, more uh, accepting of the job that Millington's done there because for the investment that he's had in that team, um, I think he's done a fabulous job. Fair enough. And uh, yeah, of course, um, uh, not Middleton, Millington, my mistake there. Um, so below Halifax, there's a six-point gap from ninth to 10th down to Hartlepool, who, Luke, you think, based, I guess, on momentum, new manager bounce, etc., and quality of players that they've had come back, as well as join, um, you believe Hartlepool can can still do it. I can see Joe nodding in the background as well. Um, they went behind early on to uh, Kabongo Shimanga's first goal since uh, returning to Boreham Wood, uh, but they turned it round, didn't they, particularly with a strong second-half performance. Yeah, just my thought, just my take on that game. You look at Hartlepool overall um, this season, I think if everyone actually remembers, for the first month or so of the season, people were saying they were contenders for the title, who were actually above Chesterfield, and they looked like the team to beat at the start of the season. Then injuries, of course, has affected them, and it's had a very, very negative 
effect on on the team in in this this season. Um, and what's suddenly happened is all the players are coming back from injury now, which is making the players that have struggled in recent weeks improve. Manny Disarue scoring goals for fun at the moment. He's another contender for for maybe winning the, the Golden Boot this season. Of course, Mancini's back now. Um, he's a player that I think is one of the best midfielders in this division. I think he brings goals, assists. You know, he's an overall well-rounded attacking midfielder. And for me, I look at Hartlepool, you know, they're unbeaten in four, they've won three of those games. I don't see any reason why Hartlepool can't be a contender to get into the playoffs this season because the way they're playing at the moment, some of the wins they're getting against sides like Bromley... I think they seriously will maybe get into the playoffs this season and be a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, uh, the number of games they played might be a factor. They have played three uh, more than uh, some of the teams above them. Um, well, particularly Altrincham and Gateshead anyway, and one or two more than uh, than the others. So uh, we shall see how that goes. Just below them, Three points and one place below them are Dagenham and Redbridge, who drew one all with York City. Um, York, another one of those teams, just a few points away from the drop zone. Terrific win at Southend last weekend. Then they go and lose at home to Dorking um, and can only draw at home to Dagenham. So uh, we still don't quite know what to make of Neil Ardley's tenor at uh, York. And then really beginning to focus in on that battle at the bottom. Oxford City, well, a morale-boosting performance and and point, but probably, uh, Joe, a point that neither Oxford or Southend really wanted. They'd have been desperate for all three points yesterday. Yeah, I I said before the game to a couple of people in uh, of a Southend persuasion that that would have been a game that they really would have targeted three points in. So the fact that they came away from it with nothing... Uh, they'll be really disappointed. Uh, and obviously for Oxford City, the games are sort of slipping away for them. Uh, I think the really disappointing thing if for a South End is um, I saw that uh, defender Brooklyn Cabongolo uh, left South End uh, this week, failed to agree a new contract. And then he actually signed for Oxford City before the game uh, and kept a clean sheet against his old team. So... Uh, the fact that they couldn't break him down. Goals are the problem for South End. They just can't score at the moment. Uh, another blank for them. Um, and yeah, as you said, it doesn't really benefit either side. Um, perhaps more so for South End, the fact that they managed to see it out with 10 men. Um, but yeah, not really beneficial for either. I've been really racking my brains about the South End situation and also listening to people's views on it on on other podcasts, it's easy to sit back from afar and say, oh, well, the players are in a comfort zone now. Four or five of them have got long-term contracts. I think it's it's that weird word, uh, the two words, pressure and expectation. Um, yeah, they've played under huge pressure in some senses over the last um, 18 months or so. But none of those pressures have come with expectation. Now it's a different kind of pressure. They're expected to do well. And so many sides at all levels of football over the years struggle under the weight of expectation, don't they, Luke? Yeah, they certainly do. Like like you previously mentioned, when Southend had that takeover, everyone was saying, why can't they make playoffs? You know, they should. We've seen if they didn't have the point deduction, they would have made the playoffs this season. Um, of course, in recent weeks, that's kind of, even if they didn't have that point deduction, they'd be 10th, I believe, now. But like you've mentioned, 
what's happened now is because they've had that takeover and what it feels like, maybe there's more pressure on them to perform where before it was like the fans were with them no matter what happened, where now there's that expectations there. And I think I've seen a lot of South End fans online and they seem very, very nervous about the, the next couple of, of months in, in the final few games of the season because you look at Ebbsfleet working Kidderminster, well, Kidderminster and Ebbsfleet specifically below them, they're both improving. South End haven't scored a goal in the, in the last four games. I think, is it a serious question about them now being a side that, that could go down? Of course, they've got games in hand on, on sides around them, but... If I was in South End's position, I'd rather have the points on the board than those games in hand because you know where you're at there. Where now there's that pressure that they need to get the results in the next couple of games, and it is starting to get a little nervy down there, in my opinion, at South End. And I think if you are a South End fan, you you would be quite nervous going into to, into these final couple of months of the season. Yeah, they are most definitely in it. They're only out of the relegation zone on goal difference now. And uh, I'll get to see them next weekend. The shots go to Roots Hall. Um, but uh, the reason they're goal difference only outside the relegation zone is because of the continued improvement in form of Ebbsfleet United, who got uh, under caretaker manager Danny Searle uh, a couple of really good draws against Chesterfield and Oldham. He was given the job. Um, no term announced with that. So presumably to the end of the season, possibly beyond. Um, but uh, they got a terrific 3-0 win uh, at home to, to Eastleigh and uh, they were solid in the first half. But Joe, they had to... Uh, um, Danny Sell asked them if they could go up a gear in the second and they most definitely did. Yeah, they did um, and a really good good win for them. Um, you know, it's been a really good start for Danny Searle and uh, especially after those two encouraging draws, he would have wanted them... Uh, he'd have looked at that easily game and seen, you know, this is one we can go and win. Um, and no doubt would have challenged his team to do that at half-time. Um, and they did, yeah, 3-0 win. Um, rare clean sheet for them as well. Um, or I say rare, it's been rare this season. Obviously, that's now back-to-back clean sheets for them, having done so against Oldham as well. And yeah, perhaps, you know, just a, a new fresh voice in the in the changing room, um, a different perspective is um, obviously got the players playing a little bit. Obviously, he's got Anwar Ud in there um, as part of his coaching setup. He's a really good coach as well. So, um, yeah, really good uh, start to, to Danny Searle's uh, tenure with Ebbsfleet and he's given them a fighting chance. Now, around 10 or 15 years ago, Phil Brown was managing in the Premiership. At the same time, Mark White was playing for Dorking in the Crawley and District. <laughs> Uh, Football League, they came together head-to-head as managers on Saturday. And after the game, Phil Brown, who whose Kidderminster side had won four league games on the bounce since he turned up, said that he respected the draw and respected the point that he got in the nil-nil against Dorking. And that was, I have to say, a far better point for Dorking Wanderers, who completed an excellent week on the road, two clean sheets, four points, and um, fair play to Mark White, Luke. Um, a lot of people have started to uh, say, well, that's it, Dorking are in trouble now. They've dropped in. You know, they've got wretched home form. But thanks to their um, defensive prowess away from home, I think it might be eight or nine clean sheets now. Um, terrific week for Mark White's men. 
Yeah, it certainly is. And to be fair, I think Mark White and, and the Dorking um, players deserve a massive pat on the on the back for what they've done. You know, there's been a lot of questions about them being a side and a, a, that could go down. And some people have said they're definitely going to go down this season. And I have to say, after I saw them against Halifax, I wasn't impressed. I thought they were very poor defensively going forward. I don't think they offered too much either. So I did have a lot of concerns about them being a side that could go down this season. But They've pulled it out of the bag with the last two results. I don't think yet we can say that they're going to climb away from the drop zone. They've got a massive game next Saturday coming up against Ebb's Fleet. Maybe if they win that, they're going to feel a bit more confident and a little bit less anxious going into the final couple of months of the season. But for me, Dorking, yeah, they're certainly a side that when everyone starts to think that they could be a side that will go down, they suddenly pull it out of the bag. And they've done that once again in the last week or so. And I love their, you know, Mark's straight talking, really. He acknowledged straight away when they dropped into the relegation zone last weekend, all right, the boys are going to be playing under pressure now. And he acknowledges that. There was no hiding away from it, Joe, was there? Um, and uh, he does have an ability, and Dawkins do have an ability to pull off uh, results when you least expect it. Dare I say, a little bit like Devonshire's Maidenhead. Yeah, I, I think there's a real value in just having a real honesty and speaking, you know, openly. And I think that's what Mark White does really well. You know, a lot of managers, not naming names, um, you know, like to deflect responsibility. Um, whereas Mark White, you know, he, he burdens that responsibility and, you know, takes it on the shoulders. And, and he's one thing he's able to do is he's got pure trust in that group. Um, and they've got trust in him. You know, he's been with a lot of this group for a long time. And, um, you know, he says how it is and they they respond to it. And, um, yeah, if they can keep uh, grinding out a point and, you know, clean sheets here and there, then uh, they're going to stand a good chance of staying up. Yeah, just um, a minute or so left on uh, uh, the National League. And we'll we'll flip it round, do it slightly differently on this occasion. And... Uh, just have a very quick look ahead now to midweek where there are, um, a, there is, sorry, a full fixture list. Um, I will be at uh, Aldershot against Barnet. Bromley and Dagenham come together. That's a bit of a local battle. Bit of a gunslinger fight at the bottom, Ebsfleet and Woking. And uh, nice, easy one for your lot, Luke. Uh, Halifax at, at home to Chesterfield. Yeah, I'm pretty confident going into that one after the last couple of results. Um, as it, no, I'm, I'm being serious. You know, you look at last season, I know against Wrexham um, at home, nobody stood us in any chance of getting anything out of that game and we played them off the park. We often play better against the sides that come to our place and kind of think they can play as the home side like Wrexham did. Like Chesterfield have done in previous years, we've got a very good record against them at home. So for me, I'm pretty confident going into that game, um, to be honest. Um, Maybe I won't be uh, come um, 7.45 on Tuesday evening. I don't know when uh, it starts to get nervous prior to kick-off. Nice one, yeah. Another game that stands out for me. Hartlepool at home to Altrincham. A good test of Hartlepool's potential playoff credentials in that one. We're going to take a look now at the National League North. If you see somebody showing any of the signs of a stroke, you don't have to think about it. You just dial 999. Use the FAST test. F. Face. Has their face fallen on one side? Can they smile? A. Arms. Can they raise both arms and keep them there? S. Speech. Is their speech slurred? T. Time. Time to call 999 if you see any one of these signs. Act fast. Make the call. 
dial 999. So in the National League North, of course, it's uh, looked like a two-pronged title race until very recently um, when Tamworth has stolen a little bit of a march on Scunthorpe, going 12 points clear, although Scunthorpe have a game in hand. And uh, Joe, just coming to you initially on this, I'm pretty sure it was you that put in our podcast WhatsApp group yesterday. Good Lord. Um Great opportunity for Tamworth to full even further clear because Scunthorpe have only drawn nil-nil at Scarborough. And what did Tamworth go and do? They drew nil-nil. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. literally nothing nothing between them on the day. <laughs> no, and I, I think, you know, I think even though Tamworth have an eight-point lead, um, I would imagine that Scunthorpe will still uh, get themselves back into the, to the mix. Obviously, they've got a game in hand win that they're only five behind they have made a couple of really good signings recently Flynn Clark formerly of Norwich and they've brought in Liam McAlinden as well from from Wrexham um, and whilst they couldn't be separated yesterday you would hope for the neutral at least that they can't be separated come the end in the title race um, but yeah I think Andy Peaks will be on the one hand pleased that they were able to uh, not lose the game against Hereford, but he will be a tad disappointed, I feel, that they couldn't go and extend that gap. Yeah, and uh, to be fair to the likes of Hereford and Scarborough, decent points for them. Uh, A lot of people would have predicted uh, the opposition to win through in those two games. Chester are third, and they got the job done with the second-half turnaround at Farsley. Celtic, um, ultimately goals from Tollett and Whitehouse from the penalty spot got the job done. But perhaps more impressively, just behind them, just a point behind them, and with two games in hand as well, which suggests they are very much in a battle for a top three position, if not totally um, out of the the title race themselves. Uh, At Chorley, um, all sorts of shenanigans been going on on and off the, off the pitch, uh, Joe. But um, they certainly got the job done, although they had to be patient against Southport. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, nil nil at half-time, but they got the job done in the end. Uh, goals from Justin Johnson, who uh, reportedly was, was wanted by South End earlier in the season. Uh, goal also for Sampson and uh, Ubazunu uh, from the penalty spot. And uh, yeah, Chorley have gone quietly about their business. I think you know people have written them off because of what's been going off going on off the field. Um, but they they're doing quite nicely. You know they've got in their team. Um, I'd say they're a really really well drilled side. I know they've got uh, former uh, Torquay defender Mark Ellis at the back uh, for them. And uh, yeah, I, th- I think they're doing quite nicely uh, this season. And um, you know you certainly wouldn't want to play them in the in the playoffs. Exactly. Talking of the playoffs, Brackley had a very good home win against Peterborough Sports. Most of the damage done in the opening quarter of an hour there. Ultimately, they came through uh, 3-1 winners. Uh, a, a brace for Armson, who's been at Brackley longer than... Uh, longer than what? I don't know. King Charles's reign? No, a lot longer than that. But uh, <laughs> he's been there for some time. Put it this way, he was playing for them about five years or six years ago when I went to see him in the playoffs and uh, he's still there. Peterborough Sports, well, they've been doing pretty well of late. They have been mid-table and would hope that their potential relegation fears have been addressed, but they are 
Six points clear. They're not quite out of it just yet. Scarborough, we've already mentioned, uh, drew nil-nil with Scunthorpe. And Alfreton's game against uh, Kingsland was called off due to a waterlogged pitch. Um, just outside the playoffs, on goal difference only, occurs in Ashton. And, uh, well, just two points behind them now are their opposition, Joe Warrington, who uh, who uh, got the job done with a 3-0 win at Curzon. Yeah, and uh, I continue to be so impressed by Warrington. You know, everybody ripped them off. I thought they'd stay up in my predictions, just. Um, but they've absolutely smashed it this season. Um, full credit to them, I think. You know, when I try and do me, uh, me shortlist for awards at the end of the season, you've got to look at them as manager of the season. And, and certainly one of the players that, uh, that scored yesterday, Isaac Buckley-Ricketts, another two goals for him. Uh, he's had an excellent season. Uh, and will certainly be uh, in the conversation there, um, especially the fact that they went to a Curzon Ashton side who are quite good defensively uh, in the league this season. For them to score three unanswered goals uh, will be a positive. And yeah, you know, they they came up, they didn't add a lot and uh, they just had trust in what they had would be enough to, to grind out results and they keep doing that. We had Christian James, uh, of course, who's involved with uh, Boston. Uh, United last week, and uh, they got another win. They they've moved to within a point of the playoffs now, thanks to a three nil home win against uh, Bishop Stortford, whose fate, of course, is pretty much doomed and sealed in the league, if not yet in the uh, FA Trophy. Um, and uh, just looking at it in general, Luke, with you, just for any thoughts you've got, the the playoff situation in the National League North last year was ridiculous. So many teams involved on the final day. And it's looking very much like it could be similar again, but with a distinct difference. You've got a, a clear line drawn across halfway in the table uh, from South Shields, who we'll come to in just a moment, uh, on 50 points. And then there's an eight-point gap down to Blythe. So I think in the National League North, Luke, we know which one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams are going to be competing for positions four to seven, don't we? Yeah, well, with the National League North, I think there is a big divide between a lot of clubs. You know, there's some massive sleeping giants, I think, in there. You look at Scunthorpe, one of probably the biggest. Hereford aside, that are long overdue to, to get back into the National League, at least. You know, I know they, they were a side that were in the Football League not so long ago. Chester as well, another form of Football League side. And you've got side Phoenix clubs like Scarborough as well, in and around there as well. So for me... um. It's certainly going to be tight. I think you look at certain sides like Scunthorpe, you'd like to think they're going to be in the playoffs now no matter what. But we saw last season, Alfreton, Brackley, Scarborough were all in and around the playoffs towards the end of the season and, and they'll be all hoping that, especially Scarborough, won't make the same mistake where they slipped out on, on the final day and um, they'll be hoping to, to sneak into the playoffs, well, solidify the playoff spot this season. But it's certainly very tight there and it's certainly going to be entertaining in, in the last couple of uh, months of the, of the season and in that department. Yeah, bottom of that top half are South Shields on 50 points, as I mentioned. And they were involved, Joe, in uh, the most eye-catching game and scoreline of the day. They were at home to Darlington, her second bottom, of course, and uh, they've been in a relegation scrap all season. Take us through this one. Yeah, yeah well, it's a brilliant result for them. Uh, one that they perhaps wouldn't have foreseen. 
uh, going all the way to, to South Shields and, and coming out 4-0 winners. Um, they did have to, to, to bide their time. Uh, South Shields had uh, Briggs sent off after just 10 minutes uh, and it did take until 72nd minute for, for Darlington to break the deadlock. But it was Will Hatfield, one of the uh, veterans of the National League North that got the opening goal and then uh, three goals in uh, 15 minutes. First from Maine, second through Griffiths and then a 95th minute goal to put the icing on the cake through uh, through Curry. And um, yeah, you know, South Shields, they disappointing afternoon. They actually ended the game in nine men. Uh, they saw Jenkins sent off with seven to play. Um, and yeah, for Darlington, obviously they, it's still going to be difficult for them to, to get out of the relegation zone. Um, and stay in the National League North. They've still got lots of work to do. Um, but yeah, if they can build on results like that, then um, yeah, they've certainly got a chance. Just proving what I've always said, you can't beat a late curry on a Saturday evening. Boom! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you can hear it. <laughs> um, top of the bottom half, are Blythe Spartans, um, but uh, they didn't manage to close any gaps, did they, yesterday, because they went down 2-0 at uh, Spennymore Town, who were uh, uh, inching towards a, uh, safety, aren't they, themselves? Uh, they'll have expected better this season, that's for sure, but uh, they got the job done on Saturday, Joe. Yeah, they did, um, and that would have certainly been one where they look at it and think, you know, we've got to get three points, really, in this, because it's kind of a six-pointer, in effect. Uh, for them to stay up. And uh, yeah, two goals, first half from McKeown and then Rob Ramshaw in the second, just before the hour mark. Um, we need to put out like a plea for, for where is Glenn Taylor, you know, this season? It doesn't seem to be on a score sheet at all. Really odd. Um, perhaps why they're struggling, um, because he's been, um, you know, not on the score sheet. But uh, yeah, good win for them. Routine win and um, much needed. I'm a de- I desperately look for his name every week because I predicted him to be the top scorer in the National League North in our prediction competition. That leaves two games, um, pretty much a mid-table battle, really. Buxton saw off Banbury United by three goals to one. Banbury United will still be looking over their shoulders, just five points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, and that left one other game, which was a cracker. With late goals again, wasn't it? It ended up all squared, didn't it? Russia all Olympic three, Gloucester City three. And in the end, uh, Russia being, uh, uh, I think, six points clear of Gloucester, will have probably been delighted to have, uh, you know, got a point out of that, um, even though they led going into the 93rd minute, Joe. Yeah, um, you know, a, a good point in the end for them, uh, as you say, even though that they... They were winning right until the end. Uh, they did actually have to come from behind in this game twice. Uh, Gloucester took the lead for the opening minute uh, through Smalley. They did get one back, Russell, for Seni, but Gloucester managed to get themselves back in front through Theo Robinson. Uh, but yeah, two goals uh, in the final 10 minutes for Sam McClintock, really good midfielder, um, formerly of Boston United. Uh, he got two goals. Um, and it looked as if that was going to be enough for all three points, but it wasn't. Uh, Russell had a man sent off through uh, Mayher, and in the same minute, Gloucester managed to equalise uh, through Tolly. Um, so, yeah, a, a disappointing afternoon that they couldn't get all three points, um, albeit one where they, they'd be, I think, quietly 
pleased that they did get something from it to maintain their gap. And I, I, th I think Liam McDonald's done a really good job there, actually, with Rush all this season. You know, the fact that they've still got a fighting chance of staying up, uh, he's done a great job. Just one other point to note on the National League North. Some cracking crowds on uh, Saturday. Uh, 2,500 at South Shields against Darlington. Um, and uh, the two biggest crowds of the day saw the 2 0 nil draws. Scarborough against Scunthorpe attracted uh, 2,600. And Hereford against Tamworth uh, attracted uh, over 3,000. Right, Luke, we're going to let you go now before Joe and I uh, complete our review of the National League action with the South. But great to see you again just a couple of weeks after we uh, called a game together. Look after yourself and who knows, maybe see you in those playoffs. Yeah, fingers crossed anyway. Once again, thank you very much for, for having me on and uh, see you, Joe. See you, Rob. All right then, Joe. Let's take a look at the National League South. And uh, we very often start with the leaders, Yeovil. Their, their, their gap is uh, 10 points at the top with a game in hand. And we really should start there this week because it's where you were yesterday. Yeah, um, I did. I was delighted to be back watching some live football. Uh, back at Hewish Park for, for Yeovil Town against Havant and Waterlooville. And, uh, yeah, it was Yeovil that managed to get the win in the end. Goal from Jake Wannell, uh, sealing a 1-0 win. Uh, the Havant and Waterlooville reporter uh, before the game said, if if Yeovil fans think they're coming to see a drubbing today, then they're going to be sorely disappointed. Um, and it, in fairness, it should have been. Yeovil had lots of chances. They missed three one-on-ones in the second half. Sam Pearson running through and firing over before Frank Newbell and Jordan Stevens both ran through on goal and opted against sliding the ball to the side to Sam Pearson to slot in for an empty net. So it should have been more comfortable. Uh, but I, I was actually quite impressed to have it at Waterlooville. Um, I certainly have seen worse sides than them uh, in the league this season. Um, and... Uh, Funny enough, I actually thought they looked quite poor going forward, given the quality that they've got individually. Um, they actually looked quite well drilled at the back. I thought Joe McNerney, uh, obviously formerly a Woking and Crawley, uh, looked really good at the back, really organising their back line. Um, but yeah, it was Yeovil, uh, a lovely well-worked goal. Uh, I spoke to Mark Cooper after the game and he said that uh, that assistant Chris Todd has been working on that corner routine for two months and it was the first time that they tried it in a game and they scored. So I think they might be trying that one again. And uh, I actually caught up with Chris Todd after the game as he spoke to me after another win. Chris, you'll be really pleased. Another win, another game ticked off. Are you a tad disappointed it wasn't more comfortable? Yeah, of course. I think we had uh, good opportunities to put the game to bed, really, and make it comfortable for ourselves going into the, the final minutes, you know. But it's never easy. Um, they're a good side. They've, they've turned the corner, new manager, and, and things have changed there. And we knew they were going to be a, a tough opposition. And, and um, we're just pleased to, to get the result and, and keep building. And certainly from your point of view as a coach, the fact that you lost Alex Whittle early on, brought Jay Fulson in and you didn't look any weaker, that'd be really pleasing, the fact you still got a clean sheet? Yeah, 100%. It's all about clean sheets for us. We, we, we try and work on that. We pride ourselves on it. And the defenders have worked extremely, extremely hard, but also the, the boys in front of them. It's, it's, it's a key to having uh, clean sheeters working through the team. And the boys did that today. And sometimes... You can't get the goals that you probably deserved in a game, but you have to dig it out. You know, it's, it's never easy to try and get uh, to where you want to be, which is obviously.
once you win the league. So we've got to just keep working hard and keep ticking off the games, and, and that's what we did today. We got the win, and it's really, really pleasing. And obviously, it should have been more comfortable. Was there something to say to uh, to Frank and to Jordan after that they didn't square it to Sam? Uh, no, it's one it's one of their missed decisions, isn't it? You know, some some games it comes off, some games it doesn't. We've got a great a great strike force and we scored a lot of goals, so we're, we're not going to be too disheartened with that. The, the, the pleasing aspect of this is that we got a clean sheet. Boys dug in, they worked hard and and, and got the three points. And obviously, the winning goal uh, it did come from a set piece. Obviously, lots of work that you do on the training pitch. How nice is that to? See? see that come off yeah it's, it's really pleasing you know we, we, we do the work and on the training ground we put hours and hours into it you know make sure that we're we're organizing we're structurally right and when they come off it, it makes it extra special you know and, and it's good for the lads because they're, they're the ones listening they have to do it you know we can just give them a guidance and it's up to them to to put it into practice and and, and they definitely did that and uh, you can see their smiley faces when, when we get the goal you know because it's, it's pleasing to, to do that and a word for, for Jake Wannell, obviously you're a top centre-half yourself and you've got another one at the Oval. Yeah, he's a good player. You know, It's not just, just Wands. Wands has had a great season and he's scoring goals and um, him, him and Morgs are a great partnership and since that day we put them together, they, they, they've done it excellent. You know, they're, they're a solid co- combination of a left foot and a right foot, but it's the it's the structure around them. You know, it's it, it's the, the back four itself, wherever, wherever that may be, you know, bringing in Jay, as you, as you said, um, um, Wits got injured, Jay comes in, he's a top player and, and he's he settled in really, really quickly. And just a quick point, obviously, on Wits, he did go off injured. Is he OK or is he likely to miss Tuesday? Um, we, we'll, we'll, we'll reassess it and make sure the, um, where he is and find out what that is and then, and then deal with it. But the good thing is we've got Jay that can just comfortably sit back into that position um, and we've got another big game on Tuesday. Yeah, that was Chris Todd and uh, difficult to see Anybody uh, interrupting uh, Yeovil's title bid, uh, Worthing, they do seem to have found recently the right balance. They're still tending to score three or four goals a game, but they've been defending a little bit better. Uh, They went to uh, Weymouth on Saturday and uh, a certain player that lots of clubs from outside the National League South must be looking at did it again with a hat-trick. Yeah, I mean, what a season he's having, Ollie Pierce. It's now 32 and 31 for him. He's actually, you know, to be, to get this far in the season, they've scored more goals than you have played games. It's just ridiculous, regardless of the level you're at. And uh, he was the main man again for them. They even managed to uh, to end the game uh, with nine men in that game and still win. Um, and they played for over 75 minutes with uh, 10 men uh, in that one. Uh, Lucy Austin sent off after a quarter of an hour. Uh, Danny Cashman gave Worth in the lead. Really shouldn't be at this level. He's a, a National League player, in my opinion, or in the Football League. But yeah, Ollie Pierce, goal from the penalty spot just before half time, two goals in the second to, uh, to make it 4 0. Uh, Weymouth did pull a goal back through Malachi Linton. Uh, but yeah, disappointing afternoon for them. Interestingly, for, for Weymouth, I, I see that uh, the players that you know, they brought in a couple of players to to bring about a resurgence in their form. Joe Cook from from Worth uh, from Dorking was one of those that really impressed. And since he's been recalled from uh, from Weymouth, then you know they've they've really struggled. You know, shipping goals again uh, and struggling. But uh, yeah, really good afternoon for, for Worthing. The team in third place, Chelmsford, played the team in third bottom, Eastbourne Borough, and uh, although. 
it was uh, 50-odd minutes before Chelmsford took the lead. They got the job done comfortably in the end. Uh, Ruff and uh, Wordsworth uh, also on the score sheet after Alexander's opener. Um, so Chelmsford third and uh, Maidstone remain uh, three points behind them, having played the same number of games, but their game on Saturday was called off. No surprise there uh, at Taunton. Um, I think we've well documented the uh, pitch issues uh, there, haven't we, Joe? But uh, Bath City, they're up to fifth um, and they played at home to St Albans for whom uh, Sean Jeffers did score, but uh, it was only late consolation. Yeah, um, win for Bath, 3-1. And uh, I think Jerry Gill said after the game that he thought that that was their best performance of the season, uh, you know, against a team that they'll likely be competing against in the playoffs at the end of the season. And uh, yeah, really good win for them, winning 3-1. First goal for this club, or for his new club, sorry, for James Alabi um, and also for, for Richard Chin. He spent uh, time with Dartford earlier this season on loan from Charlton. He joined in the week from Charlton on a loan to the end of the season. And he also scored his first goal of the campaign. And uh, yeah, great win for them. Absolutely. The other team in the playoff positions are Braintree Town. And they had a tricky looking fixture against, uh, well, a very inconsistent Torquay United. And uh, I guess worryingly, Joe, um, I, I'm using the word inconsistent. You might say of late, quite consistent. Yeah, well, uh, I think uh, a couple of the fans, uh, you know, g- given the doom and gloom, they did have to have a laugh after the game because, you know, since uh, we had our fans forum a month or so ago, Gary Johnson said, we've got to put a run together. Well, uh, he's a man of his word because we have. That's now five defeats in a row in the league. Um, and yeah, you know, it just... I don't, it's beyond comprehension now, I think. I, I can't really explain it. You know, I think Gary Johnson said after the game that it was a really good performance because we had 70% possession, hardly had a shot on target. Braintree had 10 men. Alfie Pavey was sent off in the first half for kicking out at Ross Marshall. But Braintree bossed the game, um, had all the chances, uh, controlled the possession, and they did get their goal. Tom Blackwell, formerly of chance, that he got the goal before the hour mark. And to make matters worse for Torquay, uh, midfielder Tom Lapsley got sent off. And you would see that as, oh, that was a 10v10. But Tom Lapsley was actually sent off whilst after he'd been substituted for trying to wrestle the ball back off the opposition manager to make matters worse for Torquay. A small glimmer of hope for them is that midfielder Kevin Dawson uh, played for the first time this season. The first time he's kicked the ball. This season, he came on in the second half, uh, introduced midway through the second 45. And yeah, it's a difficult one, really, because uh, Farnborough uh, on Tuesday night for Torquay, another difficult game on the road. And um, yeah, it's difficult now, six points off the the playoffs. And you would have to say that unless they find something from somewhere, which they haven't found for about three months, then it's going to be very difficult for them to get in the playoffs. Yeah, very difficult. Um, the away form's the real issue. Just the four wins on the road this season for Torquay. Uh, to be fair, only Yeovil have won more home games than than Torquay. So uh, they're going to need to pick up considerably more points on the road if they're going to play any part in the playoff picture. Above them, as we mentioned uh, a short while ago, Bath, Leapfrog, St Albans. And 
Braintree uh, jumped up into the playoffs on goal difference ahead of Hampton and Richmond Borough, who uh, uh, suffered, as many have this season, Joe, against Averley. Yeah, another really good win for them. Um, and I did a piece last week looking at who I thought could get into the playoffs. And, you know, apologies to Tom, who was obviously on the podcast uh, a number of times this season. But I actually said that I thought Hampton and Richmond may drop out. Um, and they've started of late, you know, really small squad. Um, performances haven't been great, struggling for results and lost again at home uh, yesterday. Goal from, from Charlie Hughes making all the difference for Avely, who've really impressed of late. You know, Danny Scope's doing a great job there. And, uh, yeah, um, tough times to have at the moment after their great run. Uh, time to get back on the horse, so to speak, to try and get into the playoffs. But, yeah, good win for, for Avely, that. Just below Avely are Scotty Davis. Of course, he was on the uh, the podcast last weekend, his side. The player manages Slough Town. And one of the things we discussed with him on the podcast last week was Slough's terrific run of 16 home games uh, without defeat. And uh, I tell you what, with six minutes left yesterday, Joe, it looked like it had gone. But yet again, they found a way. Yeah, I mean, you know, credit to Scotty because he's a brilliant side there. Um, and I, 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 he probably couldn't put his finger on why they keep doing so well at home. Perhaps it's just, you know, attitude of his players that they give their all hard work. And, you know, the, to, to battle back from 2-0 down with six minutes remaining to get a point, he'll be really pleased. Uh, Chippenham, on the other hand, really disappointed, uh, raced into a 2-0 lead, goals from Aaron Amadi Holloway. Uh, and Luke Spokes before they saw a man sent off just after the hour mark. But, uh, yeah, for Slough, really good point, and uh, they're, they're having a really good season. They certainly are. Torquay have dropped all the way to 12th. Just above them are Tunbridge Angels. And uh, on uh, Saturday, uh, they played away at Welling United. Uh, that one had a little bit of late drama, Joe. Yeah, um, and another good home point for a team coming from two goals behind. Uh, it was Tombridge that managed to uh, to get themselves into a 2-0 lead. Uh, Nathan Odaconiero uh, on loan from Ebbsfleet. I believe he had his loan deal extended uh, earlier in the week to the end of the season. Um, and they raced into a 2-0 lead thanks to two goals from him before half-time. But yeah, Welling Welling have done really well under Rod Stringer so far. A couple of really encouraging performances. And even if the actual performance wasn't great, the fact that they managed to get another useful point on the board would be really pleasing for them. Uh, Sonny Fish scored the goal. Uh, scored, yeah, scored the, 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 the equaliser at the end for Welling. Uh, just a point on Tombridge Angels. I see that they managed to add uh, a midfielder to their ranks before this one. Uh, Ryan Hansen of Torquay United uh, was released by Torquay United before the game and he's signed for, for Tombridge Angels and was on the bench for, for his first minutes in a Angels shirt. Not only was that a very late point gained for Welling United, but they were the only side in the bottom four to pick up a point on Saturday. The side rock bottom, Dover Athletic, had another home game uh, and they did pull level after 75 minutes against uh, Dartford, but uh, I believe there was a penalty late on for Dartford, which meant they took home all three points and uh, 
pulled themselves uh, a little bit further closer to safety. Yeah, massive win for Dartford. Um, you know, given the position that they're in, that would have been a game that they just have to win. And they did. And it was one of their big players that stepped up for them. You know, they have got quality in this Telford team, just not shown it this year. But Luke Coulson, uh, formerly of the National League, he got the winner from the spot um, after uh, Destiny uh, Oladipo had equalised for Dover. And uh, yeah, big win for them on the road. And uh, for Dover, obviously, I think they've had a little bit of an upturn under Jake LeBeau, but I think it might be time to uh, to plan for the league below. Yeah, and if you're Welling Eastbourne, Haven't and Waterlooville or Dover, and you're looking up and wondering which of the teams above you you might catch, you see a gap of at least four points up to, uh, uh, well, up to 11, uh, 14 points from, from, from Dover's point of view. You know, up to the likes of Taunton and Truro, who sit on 33 and 35 points. But uh, perhaps significantly, they are the two sides most affected by uh, all the abandoned and uh, more often postponed games. Uh, Truro City have only played 28 games, quite staggering in the middle of February. Still 18 games to try and fit in. They did play on Saturday. And they played away at uh, Farnborough. Uh, Farnborough prevailed in that one. It was a cracking game, swinging one way and then the other. Um, it was two all going into the 89th minute. But Hadi Gandor, on loan from Aldershot, got the uh, the winning goal in that one. That takes Farnborough to 42 points. So that means they're 13 points clear of safety, but eight points off of the playoffs. And uh, they're one of three teams on 42 points at the moment. One of which of the others is uh, Western Supermare, who pulled off uh, a cracking result on the weekend, Joe. Yeah, uh, good win for them. Uh, I think it's probably a a game that favours them playing on 3G at Hamill. Two goals for them. Uh, They did have to score late on, actually. Jacob Jagger-Kane got the winner on the 86th minute. Uh, Hatfin, uh, well, Western actually scored three goals in this game and only uh, one, two, one. Uh, put through their own net, Arreo, uh, with 10 minutes to play after Dale Grubb had given them the lead. And uh, yeah, good win for, for Western. And I actually see Western Supermare in the West Country Derby. I say West Country Derby, there's about 20 of them this year. Uh, they play Yeovil Town on Tuesday night at Jewish Park, and uh, I'll be there for that one. Well, that's a brilliant link, Joe, because that's where I was going to go next. We've completed our review of the National League South sides. And uh, obviously, you'll be at that game. Any other games in the uh, National League South that uh, catch your eye uh, this midweek? Yeah, a a couple of them. Uh, uh, There's actually a game tomorrow night, uh, Monday Night Football. Um, Avely versus Maidstone, uh, one of Maidstone's back games after their FA Cup exploits. Um, and then on Tuesday night, uh, one game that really does catch the eye for me is uh, is uh, Bath City at home to Truro, uh, another West Country derby. Um, and Bath City obviously in a good run of form. A uh, couple of uh, key games uh, down near the bottom, a massive game down near the bottom, in fact. Eastbourne against Haven and Waterlooville. Uh, you know, we talk about six pointers, that's a massive game there. Um, and yeah, good job. Uh, Good opportunity for Hampton and Richmond, perhaps, to get back on the winning ways with a game against Weymouth. 
Um, but yeah, I think the, the big one was can Taunton finally get a game on at home? Uh, home game, another home game on Tuesday night against Chippenham. Uh, be interesting to see if they can get that on. Yeah, in the National League North, probably the standout game is Chorley, who we've said are certainly pushing for the top, uh, you know, second and third places. And they may feel, if they get the right result on Tuesday, that they're still in the title race too, because they host the leaders, Tamworth. And uh, it's also a difficult-looking game for Scunthorpe away at South Shields, not based on Saturday's results, but based on the fact that South Shields will uh, be looking to respond from that uh, morale-busting home defeat uh, against Darlington. Um, Hereford against Chester as well, I see, uh, Joe. Yeah, big game there. Two teams in the playoff race and uh, Hereford obviously looking to try and bounce back from uh, only getting a point at the weekend uh, there. So, uh, yeah, big game. And Curzon uh, Ashton play at home to Peterborough Sports, which is significant for me in in, uh, in 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 just one fact, the fact that I saw the reverse fixture of that earlier on in the season uh, with... Uh, uh, red cards are plenty, and uh, Peterborough Sports scraping uh, themselves a draw that night. All right, that's it for this week. And uh, Joe, thank you for joining us, particularly uh, after all your travels and at late notice today. And thanks to our uh, earlier guest, Luke Walsh. Have a great footballing week, everybody. And Luke, play the theme tune. <laughs>